Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you chose to hang out with us today. Uh, my name's Chris, and this morning, what I want to talk about is overcoming the lies of labels that are often placed on us. And so that's what we're going to be discussing this morning. Um, now, the way we're going to do this to kind of kick it off is by being able to kind of give you some names of people who have a label that is attached uh, to their name and see if you can guess what they are. These are popular names or uh, names of characters that you'll be able to connect with really well. And we want all of you on the stream to uh, go ahead and participate this as well. And this is either going to be a lot of fun or it's going to be a flop. And it's all dependent upon you, okay? So whether this is or not is dependent upon you. So here's kind of uh, the very first um, kind of first name that we want to look at. And again, just shout it out loud. But here it is. Alexander the what? Alexander the Great. Good. Give yourself a hand. Good job, everybody. Woo. All right. Here's the next one. Uh, Conan the what? Good. Good. Here's the next one. Buffy the... Wow, look at you. You all know Buffy. That's good. Um, and then Kermit the... Right? And then we have one more that you'll all love. Winnie the what? Yeah, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. You did well. You do well. Now, all of these have different labels that are attached uh, to their names. And I was thinking about it that... The first time I can really remember a, la a label attached to my name was when I was in the seventh grade. And I was called Chris the Fox. Now, some of you might listen to that phrase and go, wow, like that's a compliment, Chris. That, that means, you know, something really good that you are a fox. You're good looking. And I wish that were the case but that's not how they used the term fox for me. You see, it wasn't a compliment, but it actually was a label. On one of the first times that I was going to school in seventh grade, I wore the best shirt that I could wear. It was a shirt that had an emblem on it of a fox. Now, I was excited because this was the best shirt that I had. But what I found out soon, any of you from the 80s, you'll remember this. Uh, what I found out was that if you wore a fox on your shirt, you were not cool. You were not in the in crowd. You were an outcast. Because if you wore a fox on your shirt, you were considered Poor. And so they would call me Chris the Fox. But what I found out was that if on your shirt you had an alligator, then you were rich and you were cool and you were in the in crowd. And I soon found out that being called Chris the Fox was not because of my looks, but because people were putting labels on my life that said I was 
poor and not so cool. And because my parents could not afford an alligator, they could only afford a fox, I was given a label. Now, this is what's true, folks. It was 37 years ago that I was in the seventh grade, and I still remember to this day what it felt like to carry that label. Because carrying that label meant that I wasn't enough. I just wasn't enough. Folks, no matter who you are, we all carry labels. Labels from our past. Labels from our present. Maybe some of you are actually carrying a label today of failure. Or maybe you failed at something in your past and people always bring it up and they're like, you're a failure. That's your label. Maybe for others of you, it is the word inadequate. You just never feel quite up to par. Maybe for some of you, your label is hothead. And every single time that there is an argument, you go off and people know it. Or maybe your label that you have is Mr. Know-it-all or Mrs. Know-it-all. Maybe the truth is your label is average. I mean, you've just never kind of been a person who has been great at anything. You've just kind of been average. And so people look at you and they go, oh, there's the average guy. There's the average girl. Folks, I don't know what label it is that people place on you or you place on yourself. But all of us carry labels. And the problem with labels is this. And it's our big idea this morning. So this is your first fill-in in your program or on your app. And it's this. The longer we carry a label, the less it describes our past and the more it determines our future. Let me say that again. The longer we carry a label the less it describes our past and the more it determines our future. Now, the good news is, is that today we can overcome every single label that's placed on us, not just kind of pass by them, not just kind of get passed by them, but we can actually overcome them. Now, to do this, what I want us to do is to actually uh, look at a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 2. Mark is in the uh, second half of the Bible in the New Testament. It's the second book of the New Testament. And Mark is one of Jesus' followers who writes stories about his life. And this story that we're going to look at in chapter 2 begins with two characters. There is Jesus and then There is another guy. Now, we're not given the name of this other guy, but sometimes what I find helpful is if you actually give a name to that person. And so today, we're going to call this guy that we don't have a name for, Bob. Okay? Because you can spell Bob both ways. You know, B-O-B, or you go backwards, B-O-B, and it's the same. Okay? It's the same kind of deal. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're just going to call him Bob. Because all of you know a Bob in your life, don't you? 
Uh, you know somebody who is Bob. So this is Bob. Now the story begins by telling us only one kind of defining thing about him, and that is that he is paralyzed. The only description that we're given in this entire story is that he's paralyzed. So immediately, this guy is given a label. He is Bob, the paralyzed guy. Now, being paralyzed in Jesus' day meant so much more than what it is in our day. Uh, it was a label that you carried because you would be dependent upon other people. In other words, uh, today, if you have some kind of paralysis, you may have a wheelchair or you might have a van that can take you around or you have a, an apartment that allows you to be able to kind of function. But in those days, you would be solely dependent upon your family. And if your family was there, eventually maybe you felt kind of like you were a burden or you were unwanted. And then on top of that, in Jesus' day, if you had a physical disability, then what would happen is, is that people assumed that you had sinned somewhere in your life that caused that disability or someone in your lineage, someone in your family had sinned horribly and God was punishing you and you had this disability because of some sin in your life. So now, not only is Bob the paralyzed guy, but Bob now is the big time sinner, whether he deserved this or not. I mean, if anybody understood what it meant to carry a label, it was Bob. Now, fortunately uh, for Bob, uh, the truth is, is he had some friends. The scripture says he had some friends and these friends thought to themselves, if we can just get Bob to Jesus, then maybe Jesus could heal him. If we could just get him to Jesus, maybe, just maybe he could do something for him. So they get Bob on a mat and they carry him to the place where Jesus is teaching, but the place is so packed that they can't get inside. I mean, it's like wall-to-wall people. They're all just kind of standing there, and you can't get in there. And so his friends get creative. And they take Bob on this mat, and they carry him up into the roof, and they start taking off the roof panels that are there. And all of a sudden, stuff starts falling down in this house, and they lower G, or they lower Bob down into... Uh, the presence of Jesus, and he's laying there in front of Jesus, and there's this crowd of people, and they're all looking at Bob. And I'm sure as Bob is lying there, he starts to think, these people have labels that they're calling me. They're saying, oh, there's Bob the paralytic. Oh, there's Bob the big time sinner. Oh, what is he doing? And the crowd begins to wonder, like, what is Jesus going to do? And then in verse 5, in Mark chapter 2, we're given Jesus' actions. Jesus uh, has these actions. In Mark chapter uh, 2, verse 5, it says this. Seeing whose faith? What's it say? Their faith. Seeing their faith. Now, I don't know about you. To me, this sounds weird. 
Like, why does Mark do that? Why does he say, seeing their faith? Uh, to me, this is strange. They, they, it shouldn't say, seeing their faith. It should say, seeing Bob's faith. Seeing Bob's faith, then something happens. So, what is it that Mark is trying to get to in this passage? Well, he is talking about Bob and his faith, but he's also talking about those friends that are up on the roof and they're all kind of like looking down going, Hey, Jesus! Hey, yeah, sorry about the roof. Um, I mean, like if it was my house, I'd be like, dude, take them out, you know, whatever. But they're like waving down, hey, Jesus, sorry about the roof. Can you do something for our friend? Could you bring healing to our friend? Could there be something done for him? And folks, this is what I want to give to you this morning, this thought. The faith of those around you, it matters. The faith of those that are around you matters. Because the truth is this, folks. Your friends either carry you to Jesus or they pull you away. They can't do both. They either do one or the other. Your friends either carry you to Jesus or they pull you away from him. My uh, friend uh, Sheila is a person who understands what it means to have faith of people around her. Uh, Sheila is one of the most uh, caring and humble people that I know. But before she came to Christ, she had lived a childhood of some abuse and pain and trauma. And because of that, it created an adult that Sheila was the type of person who just was depressed and she felt lost and she felt all alone. And this past week, I was talking with her, and I asked her, I said, how would you describe your life before you came to the jar, before you started understanding about Christ? And Sheila said, I would define myself as I was worthless. I had no self-esteem. I just didn't feel like I was enough. And then I asked her, I said, well, what kind of label... Would you give yourself, or what was the label you felt others was giving you? And she said, oh, that's really easy. It's very easy. Damaged goods. I was damaged goods. That's what people thought of me. She said, I just felt like I was a mistake. That when God created me, He created a mistake. But the good news for Sheila is that she finally found a friend who wanted her best to bring her to Jesus. That maybe Jesus could bring healing to Sheila's life. And so she met this woman named Abby at a grief uh, kind of group that was at the hospital. And they kind of... Abby befriended her and started building into her life. And before long, she kind of talked to her about a program we have here called Celebrate Recovery and said, if you're going through some hurts or habits or hangups, that can help you. And we have a a grief group that actually meets as well. And she kind of connected with her. And one day, Sheila finally 
had the guts to kind of walk through the doors. And when she walked through the doors at the YMCA, she was walking through the hallway. And as she's walking, she's feeling like I'm a mistake. I'm damaged goods. There's no way that God wants anything to do with me. And so she turned around and she started walking away. Little did she know, though, that Abby was right behind her. And she went up to her and she goes, Sheila. Now, what Sheila didn't know at the time is that Abby had already been to the first celebration. She already did church. Like she should have checked off the list and left. But there was a prompting within her that said, no, 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 no. I need to invite her to come and to sit with me. And so she came and she sat with her on that first Sunday. And Sheila will tell you, had it not been for Abby wanting to sit with her, she would have never come back again. And so Abby continued to kind of invest in her life and encourage her. And she got her in to celebrate recovery. And the two of them went together and they worked on their hurts, habits, and hangups. By the way, if you have a hurt, habit, or hangup that you're struggling with, Celebrate Recovery meets at 7 o'clock on Tuesday. Why in the world would you want to hurt alone? Get in that. And so she did that, and then after a while, she finally realized, I want to give more of myself away for others, because that's what Abby did for me. And so she got involved in the community basket, where we give out these non-perishable food items. And then Sheila said, well, I want to up the ante. So she actually wrote a hand-personal card to every single person who would get one of these bags of five items of hygiene items and other items, and she would write a card because she remembered what it felt like to feel like damaged goods. And then she invested in some other women uh, through Celebrate Recovery, through our Step Studies program. And most recently, Sheila actually has reached out to her uh, sister and her son and her daughter-in-law, and she just started thinking, well, if Abby was able to get me to Jesus, and Jesus changed my life, maybe I could do that for them as well. And she did, and all of them were baptized this past year. And you see, she understood that transformation rarely happens when you isolate yourself from everyone else, but real transformation happens when you get in community and people are helping you to do life deeply together. So at the end of my conversation with Sheila last week as we were talking about this, I said, well, how would you kind of define yourself now? What label would you give yourself? And she said, well, I would give the label that I am loved. That I see myself now through God's eyes, not through my own eyes. And now, all of a sudden, I understand that His love for me is unconditional. He never walks away. And I am not damaged goods. I'm God's goods. And He has a good future for me. Folks, the faith around you, the faith of the people around you, it matters. It really does. Never forget that. Well, the story continues, and it says this. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, he said to Bob, My child, your sins 
are forgiven. Now, here is Bob. He's laying in front of Jesus. And all of these people are looking at him. And Bob is feeling broken and unwanted and unloved like he's a burden. And now he's lowered down to the ground. But he's not just low on the ground. He's low in life. And then this is what Jesus says. My son, your sins are forgiven. Now, when I first read that, I was like, what's up with that? Like how insensitive could Jesus be? I mean, here's a person who is paralyzed. Everybody in the community knows it. They have these labels. I mean, he sees his brokenness. What about the fact that he's dependent upon everyone to do everything? And yet when Jesus looks at him, what he says is, my son, my child, your sins are forgiven. Folks, what I want you to know is that what Jesus is going to do is he's going to Heal, not just the symptom of it, but he's going to heal the source. Jesus heals the source, not the symptom. You see, what Bob did not need was a different label. Bob did not need a new label. He did not need a better label. But what he needed was something more. What he needed was a new identity. When I first started seminary, that is uh, training to get your master's to become a pastor, I had been out of school for over five years and I felt extremely inadequate. They would have these academic papers that we had to write and I hadn't done an academic paper in five years. I was not Academic, and I was struggling. In fact, in the first month, I was flunking two classes, and I was so far behind that I felt paralyzed that I would never be able to get out of this. And then on top of that, I started having these anxiety panic attacks. And so for the first 40 days of seminary, I would wake up each morning with dry heaves, and I would have anxiety all day, and I couldn't sleep at night. It was just like the worst 40 days of my life. And I finally had had enough, and I had decided I was going to quit. I told Jen, I'm done, I'm quitting, I'm not going to do this anymore. But I knew I had to go to the dean of students, Dr. Stafford, and I was going to let him know that I was done. Now what you need to realize is that Dr. Stafford was one of the most intelligent men I've ever met in my life. He's written multiple books. He actually wrote some of the textbooks that we read. He was super intelligent. I mean, if you kind of put his intelligence to mine, it was like a huge difference. And so not only was I intimidated to have to tell him, I was intimidated by his intellect as well. But I finally had had enough and I was done. I was going to quit seminary and I walked into his office and I was beaten and I was broken and I felt paralyzed. And with tears in my eyes, I said, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. I can't do this. And then he looked at me with compassion and love 
And I'll never forget, because I wrote it down, I'll never forget this. He said, Chris, God has a plan for you. And don't quit. You can make it. And we're going to have you drop a couple of classes. We're going to get you healthier. We'll get some counseling, anything that we can do. But we're going to then watch and see what God does. And then this is the moment I'll never forget. We were sitting across from a desk, and he actually slid his chair around here to me. And I was crying. I was just a mess. And I remember he said, look at me, look at me. And I looked directly at him. And then he said these words. He said, Chris, you are a treasured child of God. You are a treasured child of God. And he's going to do something in your life that will impact the lives of others because you chose to believe not the labels, but that your identity is that of a treasured child of God. You see, folks, on that day, what I didn't need was a new label. I didn't need to be called Reverend Bunch. I didn't need to be called Seminarian Bunch. I didn't need to be called a Masters of Divinity Bunch. What I needed to be called is not another label, but a new identity. And some of you are here today, and some of you are on the stream, and the reality is you've allowed a label to be recorded in your mind over and over and over again, and you just keep thinking, well, if I just had a new label, if I could just get a better label, if I could just have that, then maybe I would be okay with God. Folks, I'm telling you, you don't need a new label. What you need is a new identity. And the good news is that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he didn't offer you a label. He offered you a brand new identity in him. And the identity says this, you are a treasured child of the Most High God. You, you see, folks, what you need to realize is that a label may describe your past, but your identity in Christ defines you. Your label might describe your past, but your identity in Christ is what defines you. And so our story in Mark, it finally concludes in verse 10, and it says this, So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I love this. Jesus is kind of coming to the people and he's saying, hey, this is not some pie in the sky thing that we wait until we die once we get to heaven. He said, no, 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 no. I have authority over things right now. The labels that you think you live right now here on earth. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man. He turned to Bob and he said, stand up, pick up your mat And go home. And verse 12 goes on and says, And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out of the room with stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, praise God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. So it's like he's laid out, he stands up, he rolls up his mat, 
He steps out of the door and he drops the mic. And he's just like, this is what Christ did for me. He gave me a new identity and everyone was amazed. Folks, Bob had been healed, but what was more important was he had this sense of a new identity that he was set free to be who God called him to be. His past labels were no longer describing him, but he had an identity in Christ and Christ alone because now Jesus Christ had defined his future. And this is how we're going to close today. When you walked in in your program, you received a little label that looks like this. If you didn't get one, just raise your hand. It's no big deal. Uh, we have some ushers here and up there that can get you one. But I'd like you to pull this out. And what it simply says is, treasure child of God. And for those of you that are on the stream, uh, you can actually uh, go to the JAR app and you can print this off and you can have one. But just raise your hand and uh, we'll get one to you uh, right up here. And what I want to do is to encourage you to take this and to place it somewhere that you're going to see every day. Because the world is going to try to give you different labels, but you need to be reminded what your true label is. We have another one over here. And so if you can go ahead and just place this somewhere. Maybe it's on your refrigerator, because we know you're all going to be there, okay? Or you put it on your rearview mirror, or put it at your workstation at work, but place it somewhere to remind yourself that you are a treasured child of God. That it is not a label, although it's printed on one, But it is your identity. And I was thinking about it, that some of you walked in today as a single parent. And you're like, I'm just so tired of people always looking at me. And they're like, oh, the the poor single parent. Folks, that's not your identity. You are a treasured child of God. Maybe some of you woke in and you thought your label was, I'm broke. I have nothing. I mean, I'm just broke and other people have so much and they look at me and they judge me. No, 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 no. That's not your identity. You are a treasured child of God. Maybe you walked in today and the truth is, is that you just feel like you're an addict. It's my addiction. Everybody sees it. I'm just an addict or I'm hiding it. So other people, I'm an addict. That's who I am. Christ says, no, 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 no. If you turn to me, that is not your identity. Your identity is a treasured child of God. Maybe you walked in today and you have a low self-esteem. Your self-esteem is just really low. You walked in and you're like, I'm damaged goods, just like Sheila did. And I want you to know that is not your identity. You are a treasured child of God. And so today, God can use your past to change somebody's future. Because 
what Sheila understood and what we found out was that you are not defined by your past, but when you come to Christ, He determines your future. You are not defined by what you've done. You're defined by who you are. And you are, all of you down here in the main auditorium, all of you in the balcony, every single one of you on the stream, you are a treasured child of God. Let's pray. God, we get so confused sometimes by the labels that people place on us or that we place on ourselves. But what defines us, God, is not the world, but who we are in you. We are defined by how you value us. But the truth is, for some of you, some of you walk through these doors today and you have these negative labels that you've just listened to forever and you've recorded them and you're like, that's who I am. And whatever that label is that has been consuming your life, if you want freedom today, I want you to know Jesus wants to give that to you. But you have to make the choice to say, yes, I I want that. I don't want that label anymore. And if that's you, I invite you to just raise your hand, whatever, wherever you're at, just raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would remind each person with a raised hand that they are not what anyone else says about them. In fact, by the power and authority of Jesus Christ, I pray right now, God, that you would remove any negative label from their being. I pray that you would fill them with freedom and the confidence to know that they are a treasured child of the Most High God. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ Himself. Amen. You can put your hand down. Now, maybe there are some of you that you've just never had a relationship with Jesus Christ or you've drifted away from him. But maybe Easter came and you came back and you're like, man, I'm opening myself up. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're just kind of refiguring this out. Well, I want you to know that for some of you, you've been carrying an identity and your identity has all been about yourself or how much money you make or what your family is or what you do, or what it is that you might be addicted to. And you've always said that's your identity, but the truth is that that has just made you feel void and empty and not enough. But today, the truth is is that God wants to fill you with a new identity, that of a treasured child of God. And if today you want a new identity, you want a new purpose, you want a new future, if you want to know that you don't have to keep walking through this world the way you have been, that you can have something new and fresh and an identity that says you are loved and you have a home in heaven, then I invite you 
to simply pray this prayer after me. But you don't pray it alone. We pray together because we are all broken. But we have a God who molds us together and reminds us that we are treasured by Him. We are a treasured child of His. And so I invite you right now to just bow your head and to repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, take all of my life, make me new. Jesus, save me from my sins. I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a new identity. Give me a new purpose. Give me a new future that I could be used for you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.